I just feel very confident from a very young age and how that's just disruptive with everyone else and me being scared of being noticed because, you know, that's going to get me into trouble, you know. So I feel there's a fear there of uh, not wanting, you know, to kind of not get noticed because, uh, you know, of what that implies, you know. the Signal Podcast, the podcast that raises your frequency. I'm Maury Fontanez, purpose coach to some of the leading voices in our culture today, from top CEOs to Hollywood stars, best-selling authors to world-class artists. In coaching these incredible humans, one truth has become abundantly clear. No matter who we are, we all carry pain, joy, and the desire to feel connected to a sense of purpose. This podcast is my way of extending some of the powerful lessons of my proven method to you so that hopefully you too can be inspired to heal the white noise of your limiting beliefs and tune into the signal of your intuitive wisdom. Welcome to Signal. What you're about to hear is a conversation between myself and a woman named Luisa. She lives in Portugal. She is a mother of three and an artist. And we are going to be focusing our session today on how her perceptions of herself implanted by others in her childhood continue to affect her today and hold her back from really standing in her own truth and achieving the goals that she describes as healing in a way that allows her to truly accept who she is and move forward from a centered and empowered state. Hey Signal listeners, a couple quick disclaimers before we get started. Maury is not a licensed therapist and this is not a therapy session. Intuition and purpose coaching with Maury is usually a six-month process, and what you're about to hear is just a snippet of what these sessions sound like. That said, this is a real coaching session with real people featuring real strategies that Maury uses in her method. All right, let's get to today's episode. if you could kind of tell me, you know, when you thought about doing this session with me and you thought about spending this time together, what's something you were really hoping to accomplish or get clarity on? The main issue for me is uh, just my internal dwellings, you know, on how to kind of, you know, it's just the internal inquiries that kind of, you know, take me aback, you know, um, you know, the main thing is just the whole self-acceptance thing and uh, this vulnerability of, you know, I, I feel sometimes I'm very demanding on, you know, where I want to get and, you know, I somehow forget what I've already accomplished. And even though for many years I've already done a lot of internal work and, you know, I'm also really into, you know, uh, the spiritual realms, I also bring a lot of spirituality into my practice I mean, I'm just very hard on myself and yeah, I just somehow lose the connection. And what I'm hearing you say is you want to be healed, past tense. You are tired of the healing. Yes. 
Okay. If you could wave a magic wand and, and I were able to tell you in a year from now, this is how you will be. Whatever you say right now is what will be true. What would you want? What do you want it to look like? What would feel good? That change would be like ultimately focused and just not wasting time, you know, with the self-confidence thing, you know, just uh, mm -hmm. just not having time to even question that. And I keep having time to fall back onto these these things. And as I told you, I've already done so much work personally, you know, um, I mean, I've done all sorts of approaches to kind of, of self-connection, self-knowledge, you know, I've, you know, I'm fully aware of my astrology, numerology, you know, I'm... Um, also done like from Reiki's and prana works and you know I'm very interested in these sort of of therapies and you know self-understanding but you know it's just it's I mean it feels like the the well is never ending you know like the and I mean I just want to be able to fill the shoes that I want to to have you know you know what I mean this yeah. expression yeah it's exhausting it's exhausting when you are searching and searching and trying everything and you know I'm sure a lot of that stuff is inspiration and some of it makes you feel like well what's wrong with me why is it not clicking or how is why is it not where is the finality to it how does how do how does it not resonate you know I'm also a mother so um you know I'm, I'm dealing with a lot of my childhood issues you know through the children Luisa and I talk here about her kids and that they are at a certain age that is causing her to re relive, you know, her own experiences as a child. And for those of you that listened to the parenting episode from season one, I talk about how as parents, as we navigate our children's lives with them, the ages that they are at are ages that we also return to as parents. So for any parents out there that are listening right now, take a moment and actually think, you know, how old are my kids right now? And what are some of the life experiences I'm having or thought processes that I'm dealing with, suffering through healing? And are they attached to me being that age? Uh, because it is true that if you really pay attention, your kids, of course, are your teachers, but what they're dealing with in their lives at this age is going to trigger or remind you of what you were dealing with at that age. And that's a really amazing and potent opportunity to understand yourself better and heal your limiting beliefs so that you can really hear your intuition talking to you. You know that um, the ages that your children are at are the issues that you re-experience. I'm sure you've heard that. Yeah. So seven, six, and two. Do you have any particular experience that stands out from being six and seven years old that is really relevant or present for you today? In terms of childhood memories, not really. Uh, you know, I have an image of me just, you know, my mother taking a photograph of me. It's very kind of still. I don't see much motion in my life, you know, even mm -hmm. though I've kind of been returning to some childhood memories. You know, I just found out this old tape when I was like three, four years old with my siblings. I come from a big family as well. Um, okay. 
I have three siblings, so I'm the third. And, you know, it's like a huge, let's say, uh, it's a very big family. Like everyone kind of works together. I have like lots of uncles and aunts and, you know, it's uh, kind of a very big family affair. And it was quite interesting to find this video because the perception that I was passed on to my parents of the sort of child that I was, which was kind of, you know, always crying and demanding attention and, you know, being a bit into herself or, you know, or just, you know, independent or, you know, just in her corner. I didn't get that at all when I saw this video. You know, I was, you know, I did feel independent, but I was very outspoken and, you know, like very confident of my space and just wanting to take attention of the camera and, you know, mm -hmm. and getting all the space. And I mean, it's funny looking back, uh, you know, like from what I've been told from my childhood, how I assimilate those memories or at least my parents yeah. assimilate those memories is not the reality, you know, it's really Absolutely. not. And so I'm kind of getting to terms with that and reconnect and trying to connect with this you know little Louisa to see if yeah. she has something because you know I also work a lot with uh, colors I'm really into color through my practice mm -hmm. so I kind of really understand the meaning of you know color through light and connecting with chakras and everything that's to do of course with the inner child is the pink you know and mm -hmm. it's connected with things with, of course, self-acceptance, you know, uh, caring, tenderness. And I mean, so I'm applying a lot of, through my meditations, a lot of this pink, <laughs> mm -hmm. this, uh, and yeah, so I'm kind of in this process. Um, but I mean, it all takes so much work, you know, I don't know. It does take a lot of work. And I, you know, what if I were to tell you that there is no end point to healing. It is a process that is as organic as breathing. And what I mean by that is that as long as we're alive, we are healing things because healing just means taking what was, integrating it, and growing from it. And if our purpose is to continue to grow in our lifetimes in order to achieve our purpose, then healing is a natural and organic part of that existence. So how do you feel about accepting it not as an end point, but as kind of an organic process that comes along with living and will be constantly something that you do? I'm, I'm fine with it as long as like I'm mature about it, which I'm really not, you know, it just kind of, um, you know, I kind of accept the ups and downfalls of existence and questioning. That's fine. You know, I do see that there's something to it with this, like, you know, you, you're in a high and things are going well. And then, you know, you come to a low and things are uncertain, confused, you know, I kind of, I'm 38 years old now, so I kind of understand this and I see this because I work with people. I just want to be more mature about it. What does that mean? How are you immature about it? I feel a bit spoiled about it, to be honest. I'm curious about why this curiosity you have about your existence and how to elevate your consciousness is spoiled. Why is it negative? If your soul is on a quest to better understand itself in this lifetime and on a quest to figure out where it fits into the larger dynamic and on a quest to understand why it's here 
and you are, as the vehicle of your soul, taking steps and actions to better understand those things. Why is that unacceptable? Because I think maybe it's connecting with parts of my personality that I think are a bit selfish or egotistical and more vain and more, you know, just, uh, you know, the work, the work I do is very soulful, okay? It's a lot about trying to ground people. You know, we have, I know we have different ways of approaching my is more of a visual practice uh, and, you know, experiential with groups and more theatrical, let's say, you know, I just, I feel a sense of responsibility and somehow I don't trust my more childish, egotistical, I mean, I'm, you know what I mean? Somehow when things, I'm just, uh, there's a spoiled part of me that I don't know whether I need to kind of, you, you know what I mean? Do you, do you see where I'm going? It's like I, I don't feel... know what you mean because that's not the way that I perceive you, but it is how you perceive yourself. And so what I am picking up is that when you talk about healing, what I'm really hearing beneath that is self-acceptance as you are, accepting self today as Louisa is. It sounds to me like the way you're defining healing is a transformation that makes you less Louisa. Now, you've made some of your characteristics sound negative by calling them spoiled or entitled or egotistical. And I want to really focus on that. But I do want to offer what I'm seeing, which is that this is less about healing and having a form of enlightenment that allows you to be present in life, what it sounds like. And it sounds more like wanting to wholly change yourself from the attributes you dislike about yourself. How does that resonate? Yeah, it makes sense. I've grown up with this veil that I kind of, um, you know, I'm this person, but in fact, I'm not that person. I'm an artist. For example, I'm not an engineer, but I'm an artist. Um, and I've constantly had to kind of prove myself since the beginning to kind of shred, you know, get away from my family to kind of validate my own identity and path. And it just feels like it's a constant. Of course, I'm back home, but I mean, it's so deep into me that I, I'm very critical of, you know, just these concepts that I was describing, you know. I think what I'm hearing you say is that you either feel or have heard, and this is important, that the public perception of you matches your fear that you are entitled and, and egotistical and all of these words you use. Let's just, I want to get really real here. I want to talk about evidence versus perception. So let's get to those words. Okay. <laughs> Spoiled, entitled, too ambitious, always demanding attention. Whose words are these? Uh, maybe my mother and my sisters. <laughs> so we're going to spend a few minutes, if you don't mind, because I really want to understand this dynamic. This is the implantation of a limiting belief system right now, right? What we are experiencing is that the language you're using to describe yourself, right? This self that you are, that you want to transform away from, is a perception you have of self that has been incepted into you. You hear me talk here about 
parents and, and families implanting limiting beliefs. And sometimes you also hear me talk about inheriting limiting beliefs. You know, for the most part, these two words are interchangeable, but I think that the difference to really pay attention to as you listen to these coaching sessions is inheriting limiting beliefs is about things that are passed down almost genetically from our ancestors based on their experiences and their worldview based on those experiences. Implanting is a little more active. It's more about the things that are told to us as children about ourselves uh, that can be even more undermining to our sense of self. So the difference between inheriting and implanting is really, you can think about it as one being truly passed down without any active process of making you believe something about yourself and implanting is a more active process where you're being told things about yourself based on your caregivers limiting belief systems about themselves. So tell me about why you believe or why you heard from them that you were too much, too entitled, too spoiled, whatever the words are. Why did they say this about you? What was their reasoning? Uh, I think uh, it was to do with looks and personality, maybe, at the time, you know. Tell me more. What would they say? Makeup. I'm not the prototype of someone who's like, you know, working it. But when I was, you know, a bit younger, you know, I know I'm still beautiful. I don't question this. Yes. But, <laughs> but when I was younger, you know, I was thin, tall, you know, and attractive. And what would they say? Like, take me there. What was the, what would they tell it's like, you? Like, don't be vain. Uh, like don't my vain. older sister, like I literally had, didn't have a relationship with her because she was quite, uh, you know, she was quite big, chubby. What's the word? She's not huge. But she was, and she felt big. So I literally didn't have any relationship with her because she was very, you know, that kind of affected her. Like my mom was, her, she was very good looking. And I think she kind of resonated with me because I kind of had the same body when she was younger and the same hair and the same look. So, you know, she would sometimes get me clothes that I didn't even want to wear, you know. Like just really, you know, some slutty dresses, even like at 23, when I'm already having my own life and, you know, they're still on the hanger because I don't really identify with this uh, sort of uh, look. But um, and but at the same time, very Catholic, very religious, you know, she would give me that dress, but I'm not sure if she was expecting me to wear it. You know, it's kind of this, uh, you know, very ambiguous um, and then just like, you know, if I'm looking into the mirror, it's like my, when looking back, if I'm looking at myself in the mirror, seeing if I'm, you know, well-dressed or, you know, feeling good, I'll, I can just see someone saying like, you're spending too much time in the mirror, aren't you? You know, I can just see that someone's head popping in, you know, and saying that, oh, when you're dancing, you make these faces or, you know, this don't, you can't wear this. And like, um, you know, just uh, people just getting into my business with how I look like, you know. So there's two th dynamics I'm picking up on. One is a, a serious environment of envy that obviously colored the way they saw and reacted to you. And one of the things that clearly you did was take that on 
and believe their perceptions rather than seeing them for what they are, which is their own defense mechanism because they're feeling some sense of lack in themselves. But the second thing I'm sensing is um, this idea that even that focus on outer appearance, on labels, was protecting something else for you. And I know you say that you have a hard time going back to your childhood. Obviously, I'm detecting that there's some trauma there, which is why you're doing so much work to try to access it. Because when we don't have memories of things, that means obviously we've disassociated from them. So without trying to push you too far there, do you have a sense, and I would love for you to actually close your eyes and take a deep breath and really take a few seconds of quiet before you answer this. But if we look at the outer layer, and the outer layer is a teenager who is really focused on, not focused on, but proud of um, her external appearance, what is she protecting? What's underneath that layer that comes from an even younger age? That's the thing. I don't know if I was uh, so aware of my external appearance, you know? Okay. So even if it's not that, there's a shell that I'm detecting. There's a layer. There's a hardness already. When you tell this story, I'm seeing someone who has a layer of armor on them. Is that true? Yeah. Okay. Are you able to see beneath that armor, what is the fear there or the the even more painful idea about yourself? I don't know. I I'll, I have this uh, doubt whether I'm capable of taking on whatever I'm missioned to be, you know. At that age? Yeah, I think at that age because, I mean, everyone is just kind of... Uh, I, I, uh, I just feel a lot of attention and inquiry about or me... Yeah, I just feel a lot of attention around that age, you know, okay. um, and isolation from what the others are, the rest of the family are, you know, I've never kind of connected with them, but somehow yeah. I always, you know, maybe that perception of my mother's is maybe my, is maybe, maybe mine, but, you know, looking, looking back, um, I do see a lot of, um, you know, just a lot of me wanting to, you know, get that uh, confidence and, you know, just, I just feel very confident from a very young age and how that's just disruptive with everyone else and me being scared of being noticed because, you know, that's going to get me into trouble, you know. So I feel there's a fear there of uh, not wanting, you know, to kind of not get noticed because, uh, you know, of what that implies you know you know like mm-hmm. this is like the 90s early 90s and late 80s you know catholic mm-hmm. so you know we would you know there is yeah and so if you if you're looking at her at that teenager how would she finish this sentence and you can use multiple words i am i am confident i am fearful i am I am overwhelmed. I am. I am sad. I am. I am unhappy. And when you look at her being sad and fearful and unhappy, what does she want that she doesn't have? 
think uh, she wants freedom. From what? Just that context. What is she afraid of when you say, I am fearful of what? It's almost like of getting killed. You know, it's very, uh, you know what I mean? Um, safety. Literally yeah. your safety. Yeah, but okay. it's on a spiritual level, you know. It's, um, of course, <laughs> you know. I've always been very, like, sensitive. So, I mean, it's like this family. It's like a plot to, uh, you know, to everyone grow, but everyone has a lot of karma amongst ourselves, you know. So it's just kind of trying to survive and, like, just uh, rip off that bubble. So when you say that you're confident... If I were to say to that teenage Louisa, you're spoiled, you're entitled, you're overly ambitious, you have too much of an ego, would she agree that those things are true? I mean, the overly ambitious, I like that. That doesn't, that doesn't affect okay. her. But the other stuff, uh, it cripples me a bit because I'm not 100% sure that I'm not those things, you know? Would she agree? Not you today, but let's look at the teenager. She would agree that that's true? I don't think she would agree. I think I agree. Maybe she didn't. Why does she not agree? Because she only knows the reality that she lives in. And maybe it was spoiled and, uh, you know, egotistical. And, you know, I, I, I'm not sure she had that self-consciousness. Do you think you could close your eyes for me and just see, picture her? Take a deep breath. Just picture her standing in front of that mirror. Can you see her there? Yes. Let's just be on the other side of that mirror. What does she believe as she's looking in the mirror about herself? She feels a bit fearful, you know, almost like for her life, you know. Uh, but, I mean, I think she feels capable. There's this you battle, you know. Her. And she's battling for the sake of what? I don't know. It's just, it gets very confusing when I start accessing these things. It's just because, like, mm -hmm. the family is so big, you know. There's just so much mm -hmm. legacy there um, mm -hmm. in regards to the family that I uh, come from, you know. Mm -hmm. and, and, like, that sense of mission and, I mean, just, like, kind of being in it. Uh, and sensing this belong belonging as well and you know like seeing that this is an example and the values are really beautiful and it's all really great but at the same time just um, having a really hard time with being in a collective you know I just I have this thing that I know I want to be by myself but then I also want to be part of the of the group. Okay. So let's leave her there. You can take a deep breath and open your eyes. I know that you're doing a lot of inner child work and I am so happy to hear that. And I actually think that that is going to help unlock a lot of this. And I believe that what's critical to that is figuring out at what point these ideas that you were too much started to really take hold and become true for you. Because it sounds like you even say there's a video of you as a child and, you know, what you would have expected your mom and dad to say is that you were trying to command too much attention. So it sounds like that is a message you received from a very early age, right? And when 
you perceive that about yourself. There's not a magic wand of healing that is going to not make you too much anymore. (laughs) What the work is, is on accepting that what you are from childhood is what you needed to be to achieve your purpose. You needed to be comfortable in front of a lot of people. You needed to be confident. Your love of uh, the attention and your love of the ambition is who you are. Now, people's reaction to that is about who they are and what they are healing from. And what we need to do is build a boundary between you and them. Yes. Sorry, I get really emotional. I mean, I've, I think I've had that always. So it's hard to kind of find one situation going back. You know, it's just what I've heard all yep. my life. So what's becoming apparent with Louisa is that she has holding on to a lot of perceptions that have been projected onto her about herself and really allowing them to create her reality. And so what you're about to hear is me walking her through an exercise that allows us to rewrite this story. And what she's going to do is do some exploration about these projections. What are the terms and words that were lobbed at her that were negative? She's going to look at why it served those people to say these things to her. How was it taking care of them and their own trauma? And then we are going to work on reframing those negative attributes to the truth about who she is really and how that can allow her to stand in her power. So let's do this. We're going to do an exercise I do in my coaching. You have a paper and a pen in front of you? Yeah. Okay. We're going to try to get really specific here. On You're going to make a line down the middle of your page. And on the left-hand side, I want you to use other people's voices. These are all of the things you were told about yourself that are negative. So you are too what? Too vain. Vain. So write down vain. To what's the next one? Self-involved. Make a list. So underneath it, too self-involved, too pretty, pretty, too skinny, skinny. I mean, have too many friends. <laughs> I mean, okay. how is this a problem? You know, it's just the Catholic context. You know, it's really. Um... That's okay. Let's just keep going. So too popular. Yeah. What else? What about your personality? Uh, too loud. Too loud? You know, just take over a room, you know, like, uh... So, um, takes too much attention? Yeah, too much attention. Okay. Is there any other big one you can think of? Yeah, I I think these are the main ones. Okay. So, what we're going to do underneath that list is now bring to mind the people who are saying that, and I'm going to... I'm going to put that as well, because that's... Too sexy. Especially in a religious context. Not good. Okay. So let's bring to mind and and let's make them a collective. Let's make them a group of people. We don't have to pick anyone out specifically. But let's start with the first thing you wrote down, too vain. I'm going to ask you a question. You're going to tell me the first thing that comes to mind. What, how does you being vain make 
these people feel badly about themselves? How does it harm them? Yeah, because I just grab too much uh, attention. But how does it hurt them? I, I don't know, because I might deflate them somehow. Okay, so you can put under vein, because I deflate their own egos. What was the next one you wrote? Too self-involved. How does you being self-involved harm these people? Hurt them, not harm. How does it cause discomfort for them? For me, this is really their problem with this one. Um, yeah, but how does it, what is their experience? What does it feel like for them, you being? I think then they have less, I mean, there's just, uh, they start comparing maybe, they start. Uh, okay, so, it, so then, right, because it makes them feel less than. Maybe it makes them feel less about them, you know? That's Less what they important. make me feel. It's more about me. I mean, in my childhood. Yeah. So it makes them feel less important. Yes, that's it. And let's group together. Let's put the looks aside for a minute. The having of friends. How does you having so many friends affect them? Because then they see they don't have as many friends as I do. I don't know. And that feels like what? What would you imagine they're feeling when they're looking at that? I don't know. I feel like that's their feelings, you know? I, 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 you... Yeah, I'm asking you to imagine their feelings. Makes them feel that they have to have so many friends, you know, they should be content with the friends they have, right? Mm -hmm. So it makes them feel... That they need more not... than what they have. I don't know. Mm -hmm. It makes them feel like they, they need more than what they have in order to what? What do they want to feel? Uh, loved. Wanted. So I have too many friends because it makes them feel unloved or unwanted. And from a appearance standpoint, I'm too pretty, I'm too skinny. That is hurtful to them because they want to feel what? Those things. So it makes them feel unattractive. And then what are the last two you wrote down? Too loud, too sexy, and okay. too much so attention. So too loud and too much attention. How does that make them feel? What do they want? Makes them have small, smaller voices. They compare. So they, because they want... To be heard. Mm -hmm. They want to have Perfect. a voice. They want to, because maybe they don't know what they want and seeing someone that does makes them feel out of mission. Okay. Write that down. They don't know what they want. And seeing someone who does makes them feel badly about themselves. So when we feel badly about ourselves and we don't do the work on our own healing, one of the most successful tools that has existed over time is to project those feelings onto other people so that we don't have to live with them. And one of the things we do as parents, because we have so much control over our children's lives because parenting is egoic because so many of us see them as a part of us, right, is take that projection even farther because then we feel this is a piece of me. And so if I don't feel enough and this piece of me is showing up in a way that makes me feel even more like I'm not enough, then there's something wrong with this piece of me. So if you look down the left-hand column that we just created, 
of all of those negative things that were told to you about you. Now we've begun to create a running dialogue of where these people were coming from when they said those things to you. Were they being their higher selves? Were they coming from a state of wisdom and clarity when they said these things? Definitely not. Okay. They sound like from all of the want statements that you created, they're coming from a place of what? Of uh, lack of self-love. Yes. Which comes from trauma. So you have traumatized people traumatizing you. Yeah. Right? Now, there may be, if you are going to be very self-aware, are there instances you can see that you may have said, okay, you believe these things about me, so I'm going to act this way? Yeah, probably, because then you give in the rite of passage, so you might as well occupy that space. Yeah. And that's how we actually end up behaving in ways we're not proud of, right? So if you do come across as um, not being selfless in a moment where you need to have, not selfless, but not being empathetic or not listening to others or not giving others space to speak or to, you know, get the share of voice that they need to have. Those are behaviors that maybe deep down you feel, oh, I don't, I don't appreciate that I do that. But you're acting out a role that's been cast for you that we just wrote down on the left hand side. So we want to stop acting this role out. We want to start being in truth with who you are. So now I want you to look at that list. Let's start with the top one, too vain. What is the truth? What are you really? Instead of vain, what are you? You've said it a couple of times, confident. Write down confident on the right-hand column. What was the next one? Too self-involved. What are you truly? Maybe you act out self-involved sometimes, but what is the truth? What are you really? I'm just profound depth. I feel like I just want to go deeper, you know, of okay. self-consciousness, you know. Um, Beautiful. So why don't you write self-aware or self-curious? Beautiful. We're going to leave there. You can just transfer that one over because you are, and that's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Okay. What about too loud? What are you really? I have a loud voice. <laughs> okay. So your voice is technically loud, but what do you use that voice to do? Direct. Okay, so you're a leader. Yeah. Okay, so you're a leader. Lots of natural-born leaders are born to families who do not appreciate that quality because it's not fun to be delegated and directed by your sister or your child, right? And so they tamper that down. They say, too much, stop it. But when you see too loud, I see, okay, then you're a leader. Yes, Okay. You're a leader who is focused on what? What do you want? You keep saying the word mission. Okay. So you're mission oriented and you're focused. Can you write those things down? Focused, mission oriented leader. What else are you that makes you good at what you do? Makes you a good mom, makes you a good artist, makes you a good leader of this collective. There's actually, sorry, there's actually one more of the voices that I want to add here that is just like okay, good. popping in. It's like too spoiled. Yeah, you've said that. So put too spoiled on the left side. 
And too spoiled takes care of what for your critics? What is it that they want that instead they call you too spoiled? Maybe I, I take up the stuff that maybe it's theirs. I don't know. You think you take or things, things that, 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 that they want, for example? I mean, I've heard this from like close friends as well when I was younger, you know, it's just because I come mm -hmm. from a comfortable uh, background, you know, as well. Mm -hmm. So it's easy as well to kind of also, uh, you know, it's very uh, like democratic uh, country, uh, like most of the Western. But I mean, it's just uh, people kind of, you know, pointing a finger because you come come from just a more comfortable background. Sometimes you get this. Um, so spoiled to me, the definition really, if we're going to try to really focus it is demanding things for your own satisfaction i think this is more coming from you know like i'm coming up with the ideas and then we're just gonna do it my way because no one else is coming up with any ideas and then people just thinking that i'm you know of course self-involved and you know trying to mm. you know but then if i'm not coming up with the projects no one you know people then kind of start thinking after a while that maybe Ideas of thinking that I'm taking advantage or it's, you know, I'm kind of attracting people, but that's just my, I just function like that, you know, I just, you know, I have mm -hmm. ideas, I do them, I call people to, you know, this when I was younger, of course, now we're working with budgets and, you know, financing mm -hmm. and stuff like this, but, you know. Uh, when I was younger, including as well with my sisters, you know, having ideas of things to play, then be because, you know, I just had ideas popping out of, you know, easily. And then people kind of misinterpreting that maybe after the fifth or sixth round, because, you know, I, I'll always have an idea, you know. So do you know what I hear when people tell me that? I hear that you always knew what you wanted and you wanted it to go a certain way. And, and because we're all about accountability, maybe because of the hurt and because of the trying to protect the things about you that you were even believing, right? So we get into self-defense mode. The acting out of that may not have been considerate, may not have been open to hearing others, may not have even created an opening for others to share. Is that fair? I really want to make sure it's fair and I'm not putting... I'm trying to understand what you're saying is that maybe I wasn't sure. considered enough of other people's... Um, that's my... That this is what you're saying. What I'm saying is that when we feel we have something to prove, which is I am enough, I'm not too loud, I am worthy, and we're taking care of those pain points, and we know what we want but we're expressing what we want with the trauma of taking care of, I am worthy, I am enough. We forget to make room for others because we are focused on taking care of that. So that's how you witness people who can come across as controlling or defensive or um, pushy is because they're trying to take care of those little wounds inside of them that just keep wanting to prove, no, I am enough. And I'm asking if that frame resonates with you. Can you see yourself? Yes. Okay. 
You are hearing me really push Louisa here to make sure that she walks the fine line of embracing her truth and being proud of it, while also keeping in mind that she needs to create room for others to feel empowered and good and free in being in their skin. And this is a very fine line that we walk when we are working on empowering ourselves, but also ensuring that our behavior doesn't disempower others, doesn't come from harm or trauma. Uh, So you hear me pushing on this because the accountability is an essential ingredient in this alchemy of self-acceptance. It is about seeing your truth and loving that truth, but it's also about being accountable for how you may create harm and being very aware of that so that you can stop that process. So when you receive the feedback that it's about ego or being spoiled or self-centered, There's two things that are going on simultaneously because we're about healing and we're about accountability. The healing part is about understanding that these things that are being lobbed at you are a lot about the people saying them to you and their own sense of lack and has been from childhood, right? Yeah. As an adult, the second part that comes in is because those things were said to me from childhood, Am I acting out in a way where I have something to prove right now? And am I, am I, like we said, a part was created for you? Am I playing that part to show that I am worthy? Does that make sense? Uh, I think so, but I don't think I'm playing that part. Maybe I, maybe part, maybe there's elements elements of me. Yes. Especially in moments of crisis, you know, when something happens or, you know, I feel fearful about anything, you know, I'll probably, you know, find comfort in these voices that were telling me these things and claim my space because I'm spoiled and, you know, I need the attention and I'm loud and, you know, I'll probably do that. But that's, you know, I feel that's not the voice that I want to Because that is not your truth. So rather than focusing on being healed, what I want you to focus on is being in alignment with your truth. And your truth are the things you wrote down on the right side. What is your truth? You are what? Read them to me. Confident, uh, self-aware, self-curious, focused, and mission-oriented leader. Okay. If that is your truth, there is nothing to prove. It is about being those things to the fullest extent. And when you can allow yourself to be confident, mission-oriented, a leader, beautiful, without any shackles, without any boundaries, then you're not fighting so hard. Then you're not fighting so hard against spoiled or self-centered because you're not trying to prove anything. Does that make sense? Yeah. But how how do I do that? (laughs) So the first thing is about this reframe we just did. It's about the consistency of 
when those words come up, spoiled. Instead of spoiled, I am truly what? Because what you are working on right now is rewiring your brain from the words that you heard over and over and over again as a child to take the power away from the traumatized people that projected those words on you and replace them with, who am I really? That is your work. Who am I really? And that is about really looking at yourself, even as a child, as a teenager, and now. What are the truest forms of who you have been the whole time? You've always been confident. You've always known what you wanted. You've always been beautiful. You've always been comfortable with the attention. Those things are not negative. People made them negative. Yeah. And by perceiving them as negative, you are buying into that storyline. And when you buy into that storyline, you are acting out that part, which means you're behaving in ways that you probably are not proud of sometimes. So when you say how, it's about being mindful, number one, of the moments when these storylines pop up. I'm spoiled. I'm being egotistical. I'm being self-centered. Okay, wait, hold on. What am I really? Who am I really? And how do I be more that without the fear of how people will respond to it? If you can be more truly you without the fear of how people will respond, you won't be in fight mode, which means you will not act out the behaviors that start to look like the left-hand column. So can I be confident freely without fear of how people will perceive it? Can I be a leader freely without fear of how people will perceive it? That is your work. Your work is to be and to allow other people, as long as you know that you are not creating harm, that you are not coming from trauma in your interactions with them. If you are being your truest self, then other people have to metabolize and digest that in the way that they have to do based on their own triggers and traumas. It is so not about you. Yeah. Unless you're coming from trauma and creating harm. And that's where the self-awareness and the alignment with true self are in a dance. Where am I coming from my centered true self? That centered true self never creates harm. And where am I coming from my trauma? Because you see how now we're repeating the cycle? right? Traumatized people acted out in ways with you that created trauma with you. That trauma in you makes you act out in ways. So we're trying to break that cycle by getting aligned with who am I really and how do I sit in the power of that truth, no matter how much it triggers other people. Yeah, no, I I really need to kind of... uh sit confidently on that like I'm I'm so aware of all of that but somehow I just um you know sometimes get dragged into these um projections I kind of want to there's I, I we didn't quite put like um something on the right side for too spoiled and I feel like there's so much there that I mean if I identify when you said like because they you know how I if you could also help me with that one, the two spoiled, because we didn't come... The opposite of two spoiled? Yeah. What is the truth? I mean, I actually think we said it. It was that you know what you want. 
or you have a certain sense of the things that make you feel good in life. Maybe a sense of what what I need, you know? To feel good. Yeah, to feel good. Okay. So I I uh, can relate to that. I am a child of immigrant parents who worked really hard to try to even allow us to survive in the United States. And my sister is also very um, salt of the earth is how you would describe it, right? I am the exact opposite. I am extravagant. I like nice things. I love new experiences. And I was always told that that was too much, that I was entitled. Why? Because it was dangerous for my family to allow me to be the way I was. Because it literally, they couldn't provide it for me, right? When the truth is, that is just how I like to express myself in this lifetime. That is who I am. I like glamour. That is part of my sensibility. What it made me do is work really hard so that I can have it. But the flip of of too much and too spoiled is, well, what's the truth about? What do I like? Now, when it turns into toxic behavior is when it's demanding, when it's entitled, when it's I should have this, but you should not, or I will go to get this at all costs. Yeah, yeah. And that's the boundary. Remember when I said there's a fine line? The fine line is, is this behavior for my highest good and the highest good of everyone else? Yeah. The highest good of everyone else does not mean that they're comfortable. It just means you're not projecting harm. So does that feel right in terms of the counter to spoiled is just a sense of, I know what I want. I know what I like. Yeah. But what I want to know is like what, because we put like how, what, what they, they, because they don't know what they want and they don't know what they like. Is that the, the thing? Or they feel that there's some injustice in their life where they didn't get to get what they wanted. Yeah. That's not yours to carry. Yeah, that, that's, that's strong for me because, you know, of course, these voices, no one is telling this to my face anymore. These are just, you know. In your head. In my head. Um, just kind of been registered now in my, in my system. And, um, you know, that's how I, I punish myself, uh, kind of, uh, in my process. It's yes. And so that's why I say to you, if it's the one thing that we take away from this session today, it's that I'd like to invite you into a reframing process that happens daily. This is not once in a while you sit down and journal. This is an inner dialogue that happens every moment that these terms that are harmful come up in your head. And the process is, one, identify what the term is. Two, how did these people projecting this on me help them feel better about themselves? Really make sure because that allows you to separate yourself from it. Okay, they said I was too spoiled. Well, what did that do for them? It made them feel like they could justify how unfair life felt for them, right? Yeah. Then three is, well, what am I really? What am I really? What is the truth about what I am instead of? And that practice will allow you to begin to get comfortable in your own skin. And you are an artist, which excites me. Because what I believe you will do is memorialize the new truth about yourself in your art. That's what I would love for you to do is incorporate your art into rewriting this story about who you are really 
and allowing yourself to be comfortable in that skin. So you're not on a quest to be completely healed. You right now are on a quest to accept yourself as you are and see the beauty in every element of who you are, whether it makes people comfortable or uncomfortable. You know, um, there's this thing, because I'm a mother, you know, of kind of passing on these, you know, not so great legacies to the children, yes, which, you know, I do know. of course, I've already had the, you know, the good, the privilege, my children, I had the privilege of sensing, especially my oldest, who's a girl, and mm. she's, you know, also, I mean, she's, and I, I've, I've seen, I've seen already, I've created already some harm in her with these insecurities that, that I had, you know, and these projections, and this is very painful. Mm. So what are you going to do instead? First, you're going to forgive yourself because you didn't know any better because this soundtrack was playing in your head nonstop. And then what are you going to do for her instead? You know, just um, throw that old CD out and put a new one, <laughs> you know, just for You're her. Gonna, yes, the same exercise you just did for you. So before you speak, if you're going to tell her you're too much, uh, 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 what is she really? Wow, you really know what you want. That's amazing. You're too loud. Uh, 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 uh. I mean, sometimes kids, you do have to tell them to be quiet, but you know what I mean, right? Of course. <laughs> you're too demanding. Well, what's, wow, you're a really good leader. Yeah. You are going to do this exercise of the left and right hand column in real time for your children. You're going to stop yourself. You're going to say the thing on the right side of the column to them. When you see and experience their truth, it gives them the freedom to be in their truth. That's the gift that you can give them as a mother. They're our best teachers because they really force us to do this work in real time. Thanks for listening to Signal. This podcast is hosted by me, Maury Fontanez, and produced by myself, Anais Aslami, and the talented team at Terra Firma, Casey Helmick and Lauren Hall. Please join us again next week for another great episode of Signal.